started thinking about like tampons differently and my cycle differently. And it had all these cool and beautiful kind of after effects that brought so much more awareness and, and so much more love so that when I'm, when I'm inserting anything into my vagina, it's like, oh, this is holy ground. Welcome to another episode of Dear Men. This one is kind of special because we're not actually talking about men and male parts and male anatomy, but we are talking about women who many of my listeners sleep with. So (laughs) that's fun. Um, I'd love to welcome to the podcast, welcome back to the podcast, both Violet Lang, expert on love, dating, and relationships, and my good friend Carrie, retired sex therapist. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Hey, excited to be here. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it is. And I really, um, I'm very passionate about this topic. So we're talking about um, basically sexual healing for women on this, uh, in this episode and specifically around um, issues around vaginal dryness and how to sort of naturally help our bodies come back into alignment, including um, more lubrication, more sexual pleasure, um, releasing trauma, all of that stuff is sort of included in this this sphere. Um, and I really, um, I'm glad to have you two on to talk about this, because I think this is really a powerful subject, especially, well, basically for women of all ages, but I think especially as a women age, our bodies can change and it can be kind of, um, jarring and that there's a lot that we can do to sort of help with that. So, um, so we are, we're going to talk about a couple of modalities today, but I really want to start with the Jade egg, um, because this has been popularized a bit by Gwyneth Paltrow, but still most, I would say most people don't know about it. I don't, I would not say that it's mainstream yet, but there's a lot of potential for healing here. And um, let's just dive in. So I would love to hear, um, maybe we can start with you, Violet, about your sort of journey with the jade egg, how you found out about it, and then what you have used it for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found out about the jade egg before I started actually studying with my teacher on it. I was, can't even remember what I was Googling but it was something around sexuality and around pleasure and around fullness with our sexuality. And, um, yeah, it really spoke to me. I found some random article and, and started using the egg and, and started noticing a difference right away to the point where I got really inspired to learn more about using it with other people and, and teaching other people because I had such benefits from it. And a big part of why I wanted to, to find it is because, um, I wanted to, to both provide and experience really amazing experiences with my partner. So yeah, can you say a little bit more about that? Like what were you what were you looking for when you were looking those articles up? You know, at the time I had had internal orgasms, but not cervical orgasms, not that it matters. There's I don't believe like a hierarchy or anything, but I had felt 
that I wanted to receive more instead of feel like I was performing. And I also really wanted to, um, yeah, just experience a, a more full sexual experience. And I had already been doing some work with healing sexual trauma, but I hadn't been doing anything on my own. I'd been working, you know, with a therapist and a coach and other people, but this felt like a really powerful way to actually, um, discover discover my body again in a deeper way. Awesome. How about you, Carrie? What was your like motivation? Sure. So I think I had an overall intention just out in the universe that I wanted to deepen my connection to myself and my pleasure. I spent many years very devoted to my work with others and my personal life really was not a focus for me. And so when I retired from practice as a therapist, I was really committed to understanding my own intimate life and sexual life and relational life more deeply and completely. And so I had a friend who knew that was an intention of mine and she introduced me to the Jade Egg practice and I began to look into it and just felt very connected to it as there was just something really sacred about it for me, a way that I could get to know my own body in relation to this practice. And, um, yeah, it it was beautiful. Yeah. I am glad you brought that up. And Violet, you touched on that as well of the fact that a jade egg practice for a woman is a way of sort of getting to know her body outside of, let's say a therapeutic relationship. So she might have a um, a somatic therapist or a talk therapist or whatever it is, uh, because I think I would say it seems to me like a lot of women do come to the jade egg for some kind of sexual healing, either around, um, oh, Violet, what is the the endometriosis, like recovering from vaginal um, issues of all kinds, including dryness, but a whole variety of other ones, you know, it helps tone the pelvic muscles. Violet, you can go into more of the details, but a lot of women are coming to it for some kind of reason like that. And it's so beautiful that it offers this kind of at home, um, healing capabilities, right. And, and it's low cost. It's not, um, you know, somatic therapy can be pretty expensive and, um, you know, sex therapy as well, actually. So it's, it's really lovely that it's something that we can do on our own to kind of reclaim our bodies and get back in touch with our, femininity, honestly, at the end of the day, I feel like that's part of what this practice is about. Um, so Violet, I'm wondering if you can touch on a little bit of, yeah, sort of the history of the Jade Egg, not necessarily a, you know, full blown history, but just, it is a pretty sacred practice as Carrie said, and it's been around for centuries. Yes, I will do my best. Of course, um, there's lots of other information out there too, but from what I've been taught, you know, it's thousands of years old, and it does come from the East. It comes from China. I believe in the Yellow Dynasty. It's, it's very old practice. And what's unique is that it was used both by the shamans in the area, but also by the courtesans. So the, the women who were healers and the women who were more, you know, sexual, um, had a sexual relationship specifically related to the court and you know all of that and so I love that it has this kind of blended heritage because I think a lot of times especially in western culture there's this Madonna horror complex or you you can't have both sexuality and be spiritual and I think we're breaking that down pretty effectively but but it's nice to feel that lineage of celebrating all of the aspects of who we are as a woman and 
the jade itself is a stone that stands for dragon semen, which is like a yang sort of energy. So not only does it help you connect with your feminine energy and your feminine sexuality, but it also is nice and balancing and grounding and protecting. So, yeah, so I feel like this is a, probably a pretty good juncture to actually talk about what the hell it is and what, what we're doing with it. So the jade egg is a small egg-shaped stone that you insert into your vagina, and then you can you can do certain exercises with it, or you can just let it sort of be inside you. Violet, can you... Um, well, I guess we'll go through both of you, but like, can you elaborate a little bit on um, what what it does when it's in there? Sure. It depends on the practice, but it has a lot of benefits. And don't be alarmed, you know, for women using it for the first time if they're like, I can't feel anything or I can't differentiate my muscles. or I don't know what's happening. I mean, most of us are pretty blocked with our sensations with our body in general, let alone in this part of our body where there can be shame and other things. So, you know, what's, what's happening is that we're strengthening the muscles of our vaginal canal and our pelvic floor. Um, but different than like Kegels, which just focus on the pelvic floor, the Jade egg gives you not only a focal point, but actually something physical to put your attention towards and to, to be aware of like up and down the vaginal canal. And there are a host of different muscles down there. There's a book by Sherry Winston called Women's Anatomy of Arousal. And it's excellent. It has all different sort of anatomical pictures to explain this and help help someone to understand. Um, but through that process, you're not only you know strengthening and toning, but you're also releasing tension, releasing trauma, increasing lubrication, you know, from an Eastern perspective, like helping the flow of chi to be more balanced, um, getting, you know, I would just say like getting more, uh, ownership of what's happening so then you can communicate that to yourself or to your partner like oh I like this pressure or I like this spot or I like this thing and there's all different sorts of practices you can do to develop those different places um, if that makes sense yeah and when you say practices um, so I've used the egg a couple of times but not regularly but when you say practices you know like you can practice moving it up and down right? Or you can do kegels with the egg and you can kind of squeeze and release. Like when you say practices, you mean sort of like exercises you can do with it. Yeah. Depending on the specific intention of the practice, whether it's to be healing or empowering or um, loving or to circulate the energy in different places, you know, I will work with women who might have a pattern of attraction where they're attracted to someone sexually, but someone who's really interested in them and has a lot of heart energy all of a sudden they're like, I'm not interested. Like there's people that are, are feeling a bit split between those two centers. So a lot of my practices focus on integration, opening the heart and connecting it to the sexuality. And that uses a combination of breath work and guided meditative awareness, and then also different squeezing practices. And then also just where your legs are positioned changes it too, which most, most women probably understand during sex, right? Like if your legs are straight, it feels different than if your legs are butterflied. And so the possibilities are endless. Love it. And Carrie, can you speak a little bit to what you've done with your egg? Absolutely. Along the lines of practices, I use my egg for a manifestation practice. So it's a very just precious ritual where I will hold my egg and breathe and, and enter a meditative state and infuse my egg with intentions of what I am calling forth in my life, whether it be something related to partnership or business, finance, 
a quality or an experience that I would like to attract. And like a seed, I implant it into my womb with the insertion process. And then I just allow that to be absorbed in my system. For me, there are healing properties of the, of the stone, of the crystal. And we're talking about the jade egg, but you can also use different types of stones. Um, many have different healing properties. And so imagining that I'm absorbing the healing properties of the stone, whether that be accessing more heart energy or intuitive energy or grounding energy, mm. and then also allowing the stone to absorb any energies from me that are not aligned with what I'm trying to call in. So it has kind of a giving and receiving harmony that's occurring as part of the ritual as well. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point about the different types of eggs that there are. It's, it is generally called the jade egg and it's generally called like the jade egg egg practice, but, um, other kinds of eggs can be used as well. So you mentioned um, crystals, so like rose quartz, for example, um, is a popular one. And then I don't know uh, what other ones you two have tried. And perhaps um, maybe one of you could touch on making sure that you get a quality egg that has been vetted. Yeah, I can speak to that. Um, curious what your experience has been too, Violet. But for me, I make sure a lot of uh, crystals are synthetic or they have been, uh, they're not from their natural state. And so they may not be healthy to be uh, used internally. So I always make sure that I order my eggs from a reputable supplier and making sure that they're certified by a gemologist and they've been tested to know that they're safe for internal use. So rose quartz, jade, and quartz are three that I use uh, the most uh, regularly for, for practice. Cool. I love that. Yeah, it's fun to explore all the options. I used jade to start. I think that's the traditional stone. And then I started using rose quartz. And then I started using obsidian, which is really powerful for grounding and releasing. I don't recommend someone uses that regularly. You just want to use it maybe a week at a time and then take a little break because it has a really detoxifying and, and pur purgative um, property. And then I myself haven't used this stone, but I have a client who really felt drawn to, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's like rhodochrosite or rhodochrosite. Yes. Yeah. I love that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm familiar with that crystal, but I hadn't used the egg and it was very powerful with her for attracting her soulmates and yeah, just creating a beautiful relationship in conjunction with our work. And so I can recommend that one, although just to be straightforward, not from personal experience. And, um, and yeah, I, I've also had times where this is going to sound a little out there, but for instance, I have a, a way of kind of releasing the dark masculine energy that we can all take on living in this culture where I'm inserting the rose quartz, but I'm holding the obsidian and I'm kind of pulsing the energy out into the obsidian to do the purge, but I'm coming from a place of love on the inside with the rose quartz. So I wouldn't recommend doing more than two internally at the same time, but to Carrie's point, like these crystals have so many beautiful properties that you can use both internally, but also just through a meditative practice using the egg and using the crystal. Yeah, this is something I wanted to talk about, and this feels like a good juncture. So in terms of, let's say, a woman who's been through sexual trauma, whether that was uh, child sexual abuse or um, sexual assault later in life, 
can you, can either or both of you speak to the, the healing power of using a jade egg in, in, um, in addressing that specifically? Yeah, I can start. Um, the beautiful thing about the, the practice of the egg for me and how it could relate to trauma is you are in control of how it's being inserted and how it's being released. And I think taking your power back in terms of how you're interacting with something in a consensual way with your body, just in that, in that practice can be really powerful. I know when I received my egg for the first time, it was uncomfortable and painful and I felt a lot of tension and tightness and it was, I remember weeping. And so the first time I don't even think I actually inserted it, there was a lot of just consciousness around what it was like to have another object uh, entering me and getting in really sacred union with permission around that and allowing and honoring my body's time that she needed to, to open and to creating that space and leaving room for how that wanted to unfold and accepting my body's no in that moment. And I think when we talk about trauma healing and taking our power back and beginning to be gentle and healing with our body, I found that really empowering. I really love that, especially the um, honoring my body's no. And I, I am not a survivor of sexual trauma myself, but I did have a similar experience when I was using the egg. I, one of the first times, it might have been the very first time or not, when I, I think I, I think I sort of put it on my list as like this other thing to do. Right. And I was like, Oh, I'll just stick it up there and it'll be fine. And I, and I, and like, I, um, I use coconut oil as a lubricant, um, which I recommend to others as well because it's antibacterial and antifungal. You cannot use it with condoms because it breaks down latex, but for everyday use, I really love it. And so I had used a little bit of coconut oil, but I, again, I was sort of like, oh, I'll just stick it up there and it'll be fine. And what I discovered was like, no, like I needed to warm up a little bit, you know, like I needed to go slower. And that makes sense. Like that makes a lot of sense, but it was a humbling experience because I think I was approaching it from a sort of masculine perspective of like, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to help. And, and I do believe that it will help, but I also needed to integrate like the feminine, like slowing down, listening to my body, allowing it to happen instead of forcing it to happen, you know, breathing, like all the things. And I, it, I thought it was really funny at the, at the end. Cause I was like, well, of course it needs some warming up. Like you can't just stick something up there and think it's going to be comfortable. Like you gotta, you gotta work with your body. Violet, do you have any thing to add about that? I'm so glad we're talking about this because I think that's a, a thing that can happen. You know, we think about this cool new tool and then we just yeah, think, okay, well I just put it in and then it does the job. But like any sort of transformation, like intention and consciousness and body awareness and all of that really, really matters. And, and I'm so glad that Carrie mentioned that. And I loved what Carrie said about meditating with the egg before using it. And I, I do something similar too, whether it's putting it by my heart or putting it on my solar plex or just looking at it for a while, like recognizing that it's sacred and that your body is sacred. And just a personal share after I started using the egg, I started thinking about like tampons differently and my cycle differently. And it had all these 
cool and beautiful kind of after effects that brought so much more awareness and and so much more love so that when I'm when I'm inserting anything into my vagina it's like oh this is holy ground you know this is something that's really um worthy of paying attention to I love that so yeah I want to talk now about what what benefits have you seen like what has been the transformation that each of you has seen from from this practice so I can start for me oh life has just gotten so much juicier so not just my vagina but just life in general like because my relationship with my body and my pleasure has become it's become heightened and so now I feel like when I'm walking around I just remembered like I didn't realize like I was walking around life without awareness of my vagina. Like I, throughout the day, I would like feel my arm or feel my leg, but unless I was having sex, it was like, I wasn't in connection to the awareness that I had a vagina. And as a result of using the egg and having this practice, I began to experience my sensuality and my pleasure all day as a possibility. And I began to remember that I had a vagina and I was breathing deeply into my, my yoni and and through my legs and like something just came to life. And then I found my intuition also improved because, you know, our cervix is always talking and she has a way of telling us whether, you know, it's safe to open or close based on how she's responding to a circumstance. And I was just amazed at how open I would have said I was before this practice and how aware of my body I was and what I realized or woke up to after this practice started for me. Beautiful. Yeah, I would totally agree with uh, everything that Carrie said. And then for me personally, it also brought me in touch with my emotions in a deeper way because there is such emotional resonance in the tissues of the vagina and the cervix and the g-spot and all of those places so I found deep emotional release and healing and maybe catharsis um and that was really powerful and then simply on an energetic level I, I think I've always been fairly sensitive but I didn't realize how sensitive until I started using this and I I would venture to guess that many women are the same way, you know, that you're exquisitely sensitive, but because of trauma or it not being safe to be in your feminine or just not having the awareness, we mask our sensitivity. And then we think there's something wrong with us. Like, Oh, I can't climax or I can only have clitoral orgasms or I can't, you know, orgasm with my partner and all of those things. And I'm not saying that the jade egg is the magic bullet, but for me, like it made me realize, wow, I am super sensitive. And And, you know, I I started having more spontaneous orgasms, like in meditation, you know, energetic orgasms, like ripples of pleasure, waving, you know, waves of pleasure going through my body just through breathing, because to Carrie's point, you know, my third eye and my G-spot were connected or my cervix. And um, I just felt more integrated spiritually. Ironically, the more I go into my sexuality, the more integrated I feel spiritually. And I think that's a huge gift that these practices give women in general is to tap into that wisdom and tap into that spiritual part. And, um, yeah, I mean, it increased my pleasure with my partner quite a bit. Um, not that it's performance, so I don't even want to make it sound like that, but you know, having, I can't remember the last time that I didn't have multiple orgasms with my partner once I started using the egg. And so his pleasure increases seeing my pleasure 
and, you know, we can have longer sessions and it's just more fun, you know, like, and there's more emotional me there not just the sexy me. Like I cry during sex. I get angry during sex. I, you know, have playfulness during sex. It's like every experience has so much richness and depth because I'm in the moment and he's supporting me being in my pleasure in that way. And then we're just creating whatever needs to flow through us in that moment for ourselves or for any like intention we're setting through that practice. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think part of what I heard there was, yeah, heightening the sensitivity. So if, for example, there's been trauma or something else has happened that's sort of even honestly a very, very religious upbringing or something around sort of shame around sexuality, having been, yeah, having been a large part of our background, our, our thinking, our feeling, our beliefs, that all affects our bodies. It actually affects the tissues of our bodies. And I think we, we sort of think of it as like, that's really woo woo and it's totally out there. Um, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. And regardless of, it's kind of like electricity. You don't need to know why it works to be able to turn on the light. Like the, something like the jade egg has been used repeatedly, you know, with many, many, many successes. And part of it is what you mentioned of like increasing sensitivity because so research shows us that only 25 to 30% of women have vaginal orgasms the vast majority of women only have clitoral orgasms. And I don't believe that that's anatomical. I don't believe it's because 70% of women are incapable of having vaginal orgasms, like deep orgasms during intercourse. I think it's partly what we're talking about, like the sensitivity and not necessarily being in touch with that part of our bodies. So I really think that when it comes to sexuality, we're playing at like 2% of our, of what's possible. And, you know, the Jada can help boost that number tremendously. Um, yeah. And I'm wondering, um, the, there's other two, two other things I know that the egg can help with that I just wanted to touch on. One is lubrication. And this, like I said, this is one of the major reasons for this episode is that especially women going through menopause or, um, you know, things can change after you have a child at whatever age you are. Well, things do change after you have a child. I mean, many things change. Um, but one of them is your um, vagina. And so I'm wondering if either of you can speak to um, lubrication. And also, I believe that the jade egg can help rebalance um, the flora, like the bacteria, the healthy bacteria in your vagina. So if you've struggled with yeast infections for a really long time, you're not supposed to use the egg if you have an active yeast infection, but perhaps Violet, you can touch on this, that if you're not having an active yeast infection, but that's been an issue for you, using the egg regularly can help kind of help your body come back into balance. Yes, definitely. And I'd love to hear what Carrie has to say about this as well. But I work with many women who are in their late 40s, 50s, and 60s, and after menopause, never really reconnected to their sexuality, or when they did, it was painful, or there just wasn't enough lubrication. Um, and there was maybe some shame around that, like, why am I not turned on more easily? Or why is this not happening? My, my partner's getting the wrong idea, or, you know, all those complications that can happen. And I know for me personally, and then obviously anecdotally from what I've heard from my clients, like there is so much more natural moisture. I still think there's no shame in lube, like lube however you need to, or, you know, however you need to, if it's a, it's a healthy thing for your body and it's not toxic. Um, but yeah, I, 
I notice for myself, even if I've gone, let's say, a week or two without using it, I use it once or, you know, two days in a row, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, like, so juicy and turned on, and and while we're, while we're in our, you know, fertile years, we're supposed to have, you know, cervical mucus and other discharges when we're ovulating, and, and the vagina changes, you know, day to day throughout our cycle, even after menopause, and so I think like celebrating that and using the egg to get back in touch with those cycles. And yeah, I, I just personally, I struggled a lot with BV, bacterial vaginosis, not necessarily yeast infections, but that completely went away when I started using the egg. And ironically, so did UBIs, which I would think was not the case because, you know, we're strengthening and a lot of times you don't want to be tightening anything if you're having UTIs or holding anything in. You want to have deep breaths and releasing and all of that. But because of the awareness, I was able to notice so much sooner, like, oh, something feels a little strange down there. Okay. I need to just wear cotton underwear. I need to, you know, like sleep without underwear for a while. Anyway, I'm getting a little TMI, but the point is that it can absolutely help with, it can absolutely help with lubrication, even if you're post-menopause and it can absolutely help with um, just the healthy flora of your vagina, like you were talking about. Yeah. And I don't think it's TMI. This is what we will all need to be talking about more. So I appreciate it. (laughs) Yes, I love hearing your experience, Violet, and mine is quite similar. Definitely an increase in lubrication and juiciness, even so much so that I've had a partner comment on on it, on the um, the lubrication and also just like the tonality and the relationship um, that my the way that my vagina received his penis and just there there's like it's fascinating to me how uh, how this is transformative on so many levels. So definitely the lubrication piece. And it was interesting to me that a partner could, could notice that or could, um, could be aware of that as well. So in other words, you were like really wet and, and tight, right? I mean, that's how it would be in mainstream, right. In mainstream parlance. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of sort of, um, sexuality, things related to sexuality that we just sort of take for granted, like, oh, as you age as a woman, you get looser, right? Like your, your vagina gets looser, but that's not really true. Like this practices like this mean that, you know, there are muscles in there. There's PV, there's pelvic floor muscles. And if you tone them, then they're toned. Like, and you know what I mean? Like we're not trapped in like, oh, I had, you know, I had a baby and now just sex is going to be painful the rest of my life. Like, no, there's so much we can do to help ourselves and to help our bodies become even fuller and richer and more, have more pleasure. We're not stuck in any sort of, um, I, I don't know, rut is the word that comes to mind, but we're not sort of stuck with just what you see is what you get. Like we have so much um, more control over these things than I think that we, than we think that we ha- have. And Violet, I'm curious because you work with a number of women, um, you know, Western medicine to me seems like what they push is hormone therapy, especially for women, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, like we were saying that the solution to something like dryness is hormone therapy. And maybe it is, but maybe it's not the first thing that we should try. Can you speak a little bit to that? And have you had any clients that have sort of used these practices instead of those or anything in that arena? Yeah, I have. I mean, I'm, I'm a little out there. Um, I don't really believe in a lot of hormonal therapy. I think a lot of it can be avoided. I, I 
didn't take hormonal birth control after the age of 25. It just didn't feel right for me because I think there's so much we can do um, in other ways. So that's just kind of my, my stance on it or my theory on it. But yeah, I've had, I've had a woman particularly, I'm not going to say her name, but you know, she had struggled with a lot of hormonal imbalances as she was going through menopause and insecurities and all of these other things. And I don't think she ever did hormonal therapy, but what we did is she had found me kind of when she was starting that journey. And so we did a combination of jaded practices about reclaiming her sensuality, her lusciousness, you know, her um, connection to her body, but then also some more spiritual aspects of just her identity of, of a woman. And then also she started working with an acupuncturist who did both a combination of acupuncture and herbal medicine. And she was like, well, I'm having the best sex of my life that I've ever had. I have more lubrication. I have more sensitivity. I have hotter orgasms. Like this is amazing. Like it, it got better for her and her mood sensitivity also got regulated. Um, I think that's part of a bit of what I was sharing earlier about my emotional stuff is that now that I know that I have this both physical and energetic way to be in touch with my emotions and release them, when my hormones do change because of my cycle or for the women that I work with that are going through menopause, we know how to roll with that in a different way because we can be with and diffuse the energy versus projecting it out and expecting someone to, to make it better for us. Wow. I love that. That is, that is really cool. I, especially like helping to regulate mood swings and other stuff that comes along with our cycles. I find that really inspiring. Well, let's, I mean, not that I don't still have mood swings, <laughs> but it's more like I'm, I'm hopefully more conscious about being with them in a way that's a self self um, soothing and, and healthy and restorative versus yeah, letting it create drama with my partner. But I just want to be clear, you know, ask Jason, <laughs> I can still be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone there. So Carrie, have you noticed anything like that as well? I was thinking of how it's helped me with cramping too. Um, how, yeah, like my, my menstrual cramps and that hormonal piece, I feel like it's definitely given me relief with that too. Wow. That's, th this is all, this is super interesting. And I'm just wondering logistically, if you two could speak to, do you use the jade egg when you're actually on your cycle or do you refrain at that point? What's the protocol? I refrain. And I think, and Violet, I'd love to hear your take on this. I've heard that it is best to, to refrain during your cycle. I don't know if that's personal preference, but I've heard it's a time of, you know, the womb releasing and that you really don't want to block the, the flow of that occurring. So what's your take on that, Violet? I completely agree. I, I've always heard that it's counterproductive to the releasing of the cycle to be putting anything in there or to have any sort of upward, like upward flow, um, squeezing up and, and all of that. Cause you want to be more downward energy. And so I never use it with my cycle. I have heard that you can use it after your heavy days and just use it on your light days. But I, I don't know. I really just appreciate my body as she's going through this releasing thing. And, and I, that's because of the jade egg and other, other sensitivities. But now I'm like celebrating as she releases. And so I just wait till I'm completely done. And if you do it between your menstrual cycle ending and your ovulation, and this is not scientifically proven, so you know I don't have that part of it, but it's colloquially known to help with fertility in that stage. Hmm. And ovulation takes place about halfway through, right? So when we're done, when we're done bleeding, like the next two weeks are good. That's a good time if you want to increase fertility. Yeah, like if you have a 28-day cycle, standard ovulation would be day 14, so basically a week after your period ends if you have a seven-day period. 
but every woman is a little bit different and there's a million really cool, you know, um, cycle trackers or ovulation trackers using basal body temperature or other interesting, um, like somatic factors. So yeah, it's, it's something to check out. I mean, one of my friends who was having a hard time getting pregnant, this was, I wrote an article about the JDAG that you helped me with actually, (laughs) Mel. Um, and she read the article and started using the egg and her and her husband got pregnant like two months later. Aww, date baby. <laughs> um, so this would be a good point actually for us to discuss, like if a woman is interested in doing this, you know, how long is a jade egg session? You know, how many times a week do you, do you two do it? Like what's your, what's your jade egg, you know, MO? <laughs> I think this is very personal. Um, for me, typically, um, it really depends. I just, my body asks for it when she wants it. And then, so sometimes I'll do it multiple times a week. Sometimes I'll go weeks without doing it. It really just depends on, on what my body is asking for. Um, I typically leave my egg in anywhere from 12 to 24 hours, mainly because she just lets it go when she's done. But I know other people, um, you know, have a hard time keeping it inside when they're up and walking around. And so they just use it when they're sleeping or they have a specific amount of time that they might practice in while they're laying down and then they, um, you know, they, they release it. So that's, that's my experience. I say, trust your body, listen to what is being, what it's asking for and honor that. Yeah. And Violet, what do you recommend for the women you work with when they're first starting out? Like what's the, um, is it, does it just depend on the woman or do you have a sort of standard, like start with this many days a week and this long? I do have a standard recommendation or, or protocol in my program for the women I work with. And we start with a practice about power and boundaries and releasing times that they were violated and all of that. And then we move into a healing practice and then we do like an integration practice of the integration of the sexuality and the heart. And anyway, there's like six or seven practices in my course and each one is about 10 to 15 minutes long, you know, including like the breath work and the, the stuff at the beginning to kind of get you ready for the egg and then honoring the egg and all of those pieces. Um, from my own personal experience, I liked having some container around it, some structure, at least when I was first starting so that it felt that there was a lot of consciousness around it. And I agree with Carrie, like once you feel really connected to your body and to the egg, you can wear it as long as it feels comfortable, you know, and, and get a lot of of juice from that. So, um, my personal practice is that, you know, I like to stay in sync with, with my clients. And so I will go back and do the, the course, the practices in my course from time to time. Um, and especially if I'm needing a particular one of those practices, I'm less likely to just use it to use it. And I'm more likely to use it when there's something particular, I'm either developing a customized meditation for a client that's going through something physically or energetically and those just kind of get downloaded to me and I, I make them for her. Or um, I do have times where I'm like, oh, you know, creativity. Like I really want to connect to my femininity today and I want to create some things. And then I'll wear the egg when I'm working or like, you know, writing blogs or <laughs> doing doing stuff like that. Um, and for me, my body, my body tends to not like it more than about four hours unless I'm sleeping. Um, but I don't. I don't really wear it that much anymore when I'm sleeping, unless I'm going through kind of a spiritual time where I need a little more support. And then I'm more likely to use the rose quartz egg overnight than the, um, than the jade or the obsidian egg. 
Yeah. And you've also mentioned um, before spontaneous trauma release. I think it was around the egg. Can you just touch on that briefly, just so that women are aware of that as a possibility? Sure. And I'd love to hear Carrie's perspective on this too. From my, my own experience and then the clients that I've worked with, when we feel safe and we feel connected, the body in many ways does know how to release trauma the same way that an animal will shake after it gets scared and then kind of shake it off and move on. It's just, we've been socialized to not be able to do that and not be able to pay attention. So I've had experiences where both when I'm using the jading and when I'm not using the jading, my body will just start to do the tremor release that's similar in trauma release exercises, TRE. So it'll just naturally start to tremor and it might originate in my solar plex as kind of a muscle tightening there in my abs and then kind of radiate out or it might originate in my womb or, or other places. Um, and for me, that happens most often when I'm either deep in meditation or when I'm actually being held by my partner, like in the middle of the night, sometimes Jason will be holding me. I love that we like cuddle through the night most nights. And it's like, as he's holding me sometimes for no apparent reason, my body will literally just start tremoring for about 20 seconds and, you know, he just holds me and a lot of times there's not even any emotion related to it. There's no memory. It's just my body like, oh, okay, that's something I don't need to carry anymore. But that really started happening when I was wearing the egg at night. And then now it kind of happens even without the egg sometimes, you know, every few weeks or something, not all the time. Yeah, I think that's important just to know about because it's actually, there's nothing wrong. There's not something happening that's wrong. And I think if somebody didn't know about it, it might be like, oh, no, am I you know, should I shut it down? Should I like, is there something wrong? Am I having a panic attack? And if, if your body feels relaxed and it's tremoring, meaning shaking, like, right, like shaking, that's not necessarily bad. It could just be the release of something that needs to, to be released. Totally. That's, that's my experience of it. It's like our vagal nerve or I, I don't want to get into the science because I think I'm going to speak or it's not my area of totally of expertise, the scientific part of it. But, um, yeah, I think to me, like, it's just a sign of release, just like emotional release. And so just because you're sad doesn't mean there's something wrong. You could just be releasing something. Um, so, yeah, that's been my experience. And I just want to say really quickly um, about the practice piece, just to close that loop. I do think when you're first doing it, do it a few times a week is my suggestion. Like, don't just like do it once and be like, OK, check that box done. You know, like I think it's helpful to, to develop a relationship with the egg and a relationship with your body, which comes through devotion and comes through some level of consistency. Yeah. It sounds like almost like going to the gym, like two or three times a week to start. Mm -hmm. Um, and then possibly less as you're moving forward. Um, and then Carrie, I'd love to hear from you about the, the trauma release part. And then also the, um, if you have recommended, have you recommended it to others? I'm curious. I have. Yes. Yeah, I've used it more. So now I help other healers uh, build their businesses. So I've recommended it for practice in waking up intuition and so less in the trauma realm and more in the manifestation empowerment uh using feminine energy in business building. So, or business birthing, because business building would be the masculine <laughs> expression. Um, 
And in terms of trauma, yeah, you know, I think we've really been taught to pathologize symptoms of, that are so normal. And so I love the way that you shared all of that, Violet, that it's totally normal for the body to tremor, to shake. It's totally normal to have an unexpected, spontaneous cry and not really have a memory attached to it. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But our mind really wants to understand the symptoms. And so I love the idea of us just just letting the body do what it's doing. And what if we could just be with it while that was happening and not have to resist it or fight it or judge it or make a story about it. And usually it just runs its course and the release happens. And there's just not a lot of space in our, in our culture, in our collective consciousness around that right now. So I would wish for all of us to have some space for gentleness and allowing around that release when it wants to happen. The body knows how to let go of trauma. It's just, we've been conditioned out of allowing those responses to happen. And if the jade egg practice wakes that up, it's really a beautiful way to, um, to release and heal. Yeah. And all of the like joy and comfort and pleasure and orgasms that lie on the other side right? Like that's the, there's a prize on the other, on the other side of all of this, all of this stuff. It's not just like, you know, you, you release and then it's the same. It's sort of like, it's even better, right? Like when you were talking about your experience with the egg, Carrie, it, it sort of, it almost, um, it occurred to me, like I was walking through the world in standard definition. And then I was walking through the world in high definition <laughs> and it was like technicolor, like the colors are brighter and everything was just kind of heightened. And I was yes. like, that sounds really fun. Like there's, you know, there's a lot of like fun attached to this stuff. Like it doesn't have to be quite, you know, so serious or whatever. So I just, I really like that as a, you know, yes, there's release stuff. And then there's also like, there's so much to be gained and through, through things like this. Of course. And what occurs to me is the third door, which is that we can simultaneously release trauma while we're experiencing pleasure. And I think sometimes the tremor of orgasm can be releasing if that's the intention that we have, like, what if we could heal through pleasure? You know, I think we're used to healing through so much pain and yes, that's sometimes a part of the process. And we can infuse our pleasure and our orgasmic, uh, you know, process with healing too, and intend that those tremors release as well. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's uh, similar to orgasmic birth, the, well, it's in the same sort of zone, um, which is, we're not going to go into all of that today, but yeah, we just have this assumption that birth has to be incredibly painful and, it doesn't have to be like that. There are, there are, you know, other ways of doing it. And, um, and there's a lot of sort of cultural attachment, I think, to, to agony (laughs) in, in childbirth. Um, but I think that's a, that's partly, um, biologically true at some, at some points, but there's, there's a lot more possibility than I think we have been trained to expect. Um, so before we wrap, I just want to touch on a few other sort of sexual healing practices for women, or maybe we should say sexual expansion practices, because it's not just healing. It's almost like, what's the next level? Yes. Um, and um, so one of them that we chatted about before this was healthy lube, healthy lube lubrication. So obviously we've been talking about natural lubrication, but there are also... Um, 
healthy lubes that we can use. And just to raise awareness, since we have a lot of male listeners, that some lubrications over the counter like KY are not good for a woman's vagina. They're not good for her flora, meaning her the the healthy bacteria, things like that. Um, so we're not going to go into a lot of that, but just to raise awareness around that. And then Violet, you have a recommendation and I have two that I'll start with, which is again, coconut oil. I love coconut oil. I really recommend it. You cannot use it with condoms though, which is why I have a second recommendation, a company called Good Clean Love, which does, um, you know, again, healthy for the vagina and all of the bacteria. And they have like pretty like lavender scented. They have just lovely products, um, good, clean love, and they are carried in whole foods. So you can get them there. And then Violet, you mentioned one that you thought was cool. Yes. There's one called Foria, F-O-R-I-A. I'm not sure if it's condom friendly or not. I know that some of their lubes, they have a few different kinds are based in coconut oil. Um, but I love it because it's all, all natural. It might even be organic. And it uses a blend of other herbs and, and things like fennel and cinnamon. And I think sometimes like a little bit of peppermint. So you can get all these really amazing sensations without the synthetics. And it's super pleasurable for me and for my partner. And there's also a version of theirs that has CBD oil in it, which if someone kind of struggles to relax and get more in their body during sex, that can also be really nice too. It's F-O-R-I-A. Yeah. And Foria really uh, focuses on women, women's pleasure, women's bodies. I think it might be woman owned. Is that right? Um, Violet, do you know? It's, it's not actually, there's two men, one who lives in Topanga and one who lives in Denver that are the, the owners and founders of it. But they, I mean, if you check out their Instagram, they are very sex positive and very women focused. I mean, I think one of their main taglines is legalize orgasm because for so many women, they haven't felt like they had permission or, or ownership of their orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's definitely w- very woman focused that, that brand. Um, and then, um, Carrie, did you have any, do you have any lube comments? <laughs> I love all these ideas. They're fabulous. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, another thing that we wanted to touch on was Yoni steaming. So, this is also known as vaginal steaming. And I'm just starting to get educated on this. I actually have a registered nurse and RN that I would like to um, have on the podcast to talk about this. Um, so we're not going to go into depth on it, but Violet, could you speak a little bit to Yoni steaming and whether you recommended it to clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely recommended it to clients. And one of the, the men that I have as an expert in my program, Rahi Chun, he is also really an advocate of this. And there's a website called steamychicks.com. And it's all about actually yoni steaming. And if you want to order your own yoni steam kit, like how to do that. Um, But the idea is that there's steam that's created through uh, boiling water and herbs. And then that steam, you know, travels up to the yoni, of course, at the right temperature and everything. And it can help with all sorts of symptoms of PMS um, I don't know about it using it particularly for trauma, but it definitely assists with lubrication. I've, I've tried it out. Uh, I've only done it once, but I noticed a lot more, um, like, how do I want to say this? Um, vitality. 
like even more so than with the the jade egg was has also been so instrumental but when I did it I noticed like ooh, I just felt this full like warmth and and tingly sensation and like like I could feel the blood flow you know even though I wasn't necessarily aroused at the time and so it's been really helpful for a lot of women hormonally and with lubrication and with, um, you know, issues related to PMS or yeast or all of those things we've talked about. Yeah. The other, there are different herbal blends. I'll just say one quick thing. There's, there's different herbal blends depending on what your symptoms are. So you should, I would recommend going to someone that, that knows about which blends to use, which herbs to use for what you're wanting to, um, reclaim within yourself. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention is that, um, yoni steaming can help with the repair of a vaginal tear or C-section scar. So if you know any women or you are a woman or related to one that had tearing or some, some sort of trauma around in that area, vaginal steaming can really help with that. And like Violet said, you know, there's different herbal, um, remedies, kind of like, acupuncture, right? Like taking herbs orally. This is a a version of that. Um, and you can work with a practitioner to, to do that. So whereas the jade egg can be more of a do it at home practice. Yeah. Steamy chicks is probably the best known, um, resource for women around it, but you, you know, it's, it's definitely an option and it can really help repair the area and actually, like you said, bringing, bringing blood flow to the area that brings a lot of healing properties. Um, and I also know that women have used it for if they had like an irregular flow, meaning like the, their actual blood was like dark purple or Brown, um, stuff like that, that wasn't necessarily, um, healthy that they were talking to their GYN about it. This can be again, sort of an alternative to more invasive, um, practices. And then um, the last one that we had on our list is the cervical wand and cervical um, de-armoring. I've also heard there's another term for it, Violet. I can't remember what it is. Well, anyway, cervical practice, um, which we're not going to go in terribly in depth into. um, But I would say this is sort of like advanced level, next level stuff. And I'm wondering if, Violet, you can touch a little bit on it. Uh, for now and whether you've recommended it to your women as well. Sure. Yes, I do recommend it to my clients. It's one of our later stage practices that we do because it is better in my experience to do once you have that really strong connection with your body. So you're not um, doing doing something that feels invasive in that way. Um, the jade egg at certain points can touch the cervix depending on where your cervix is positioned during the time of the month. You know, it kind of moves up and down, um, based on your cycle and based on some other things. Um, but, but typically the jade egg is not like nestled up to your cervix all the time. It's just, at least in my experience, it's, um, a little more focused further down in the vaginal canal, although it can be used that way. So what I like about the cervical dearmoring is using a glass dildo or another, uh, tool you know, you can come in contact in a very gentle way with the cervix and, and wake her up. You know, sometimes that means releasing trauma. Sometimes that means celebrating the fullness of, a, of the cervix, which is a gateway of life. It's like the, the Holy Grail, the chalice, and um, that in and of itself can be really sacred. And then I combine it with a trigger point release on the exterior of the vagina and then also using the wand on the interior of the vagina so that it can be a really complete practice. There's thought of like many different ways to release trauma, but I'm not going to go into all of that now, but this like acu 
acupressure and trigger point release is one way that um, has been really helpful for a lot of women. Thank you. Um, yeah, the the research that I've done on it is that um, there's a lot that we as women hold uh, in in general, like a lot of tension and a lot of um, just holding, and that that can that can be a centralized point where a lot of that is literally held in our bodies. Um, and one one of the women that I was reading about it said. Um, the depths of the vaginal wall and the cervix, they can harden with like stress, judgment, trauma, shame, and society's conditioning around being strong, quote, strong. So like be strong, be powerful, like be a boss babe, be, you know, like all of that stuff. And this can be a practice to kind of help us soften, get access to our feminine so that we can be strong and we can also be open, um, soft, welcoming, you know, all of those qualities that maybe some of us have not been able to access for a long time. Yeah. I mean, my, my life changed quite a bit when I became more in touch with, of course, my femininity and my G-spot and other areas, but definitely with my cervix, it's hard to describe. There's like a deep yin kind of oceanic energy associated with it and a lot of wisdom. And the nerve endings that go to the cervix are different than the nerves that go to the G spot in the clitoris. There's the same, it's the same nerve kind of like bundle that goes to the G spot in the clitoris, but it's a totally different branch of nerves that goes to the cervix. And, and I am forgetting which is which, but the cervix is more directly connected to the heart, which is why a lot of women will feel an emotional release during sex when they're having a cervical orgasm. Interesting. Carrie, do you have anything to add to the, this, this part about the cervical um, de-armoring or, and I'm also curious, have you ever recommended it to others? I have recommended it to others based on, uh, what I have read and, and things I have heard from other women, but I have yet to experience it myself. That is next on my list in my practices. So, um, yeah, like it makes sense to me based on what I know about trauma and the way that it's stored in the tissues and the opportunity to make contact with those areas and free and free them and get into deeper relationship. But I don't have personal uh, connection to it yet. Oh, I like how you said and free them. I know there's something nice about that. Like free the cervix, like let her fly, <laughs> let her fly. <laughs> Yeah, because I was thinking earlier on, I mean, this could be a whole other episode, so I'll just say a minute. But, you know, as women, and you alluded to it earlier, Mel, is that we've been taught that there are things that just can't be fixed. Like, oh, when you get older, this happens and you get dry or you get this way or you get that way. And I think those are lovely myths that we can (laughs) investigate and get curious about why we're told that our parts stop working and we can really be empowered with these practices. So I'm feeling really, that was my intention before we hit record was empowerment. And I feel really excited about women hearing this and men hearing this and not buying into those stories and being able to choose how you would like to relate to your body and know that there are other women who, and men who are cheering you on with that. And there are practices that support you in reaching and exceeding those, uh, intentions. Yeah. I love that. And I also just, yeah, it's like, it doesn't even need to take that long, right? I mean, we're talking about, let's say a jade egg practice that's 15 or 20 minutes a day, three times a week, you know, that's doable. 
like we're, we're all busy women. That's doable. We can fit that in. You know what I'm saying? And so it's really encouraging because all of these, these kinds of practices, they're doable. We can fit these into our lives and they're all relatively low cost. The ones that we've been talking about. Um, I'm not exactly sure how much steamy chicks is or something like that, but that's one of the things that encourages me is like, we have a lot of, we have a lot of choices. We have a lot of resources. There's a lot out there. You know, we don't live in a, an oppressive, um, time anymore, at least in our, in our country, in our culture, the way that we get to live now, we have a lot of options and we get to spread the word about things like this and get lots more people, um, women and men more expressed, more excited, having better sex, more connection, all of that stuff. And I really believe that that's part of how we, how we transform the world. It is transformed from the inside out because when we have a bunch of lit up radiant, you know, people that feel nourished, that's when we give our biggest gifts. And that's when we can effortlessly help others because we're sort of filled up from the inside out. Yes. Okay. Well, that feels like a natural ending point. Is there anything else that you two would want to say, since this is a podcast for men, to men about all of this vagina stuff? Is there any any last words of wisdom that you would have for men? I would like to just encourage men to support your partners in their journeys, whether your partner is someone that you just started casually dating or, you know, whether it's a long-term partner. You know, I know for myself, I didn't even consider like a self-pleasure practice, the even non-spiritual version of it, like until my late 20s. And and it's kind of a scary thing, or it can be, you know, for a woman to own her sexual power, irregardless of her sexual partner. And so I think the more that you can, if she tells you, hey, I trade out the egg today, instead of being like, oh, cool, what happens with that thing? That's kind of weird, you know, like be celebratory with her, support her, like recognize that she's doing something powerful for herself. And if you have children for your daughters and for her friends and for every every woman as she reclaims her pleasure and, and her sovereignty as relates to her sexuality. So, yeah, I would just encourage men, even if you think it's funny, um, like, oh, what is this thing? Like to to honor the sacredness and the courage that it takes to do this. And along those same lines, you know, I think it can be easy for men to personalize the, the things that we as women are going through if we're having um, difficulty sexually. And, you know, what really has helped me the most is when a partner has been able to stay present with me in that process. And if he's feeling, um, like it's his fault or there's something he can vocalize that, but then also like team up with your woman and find out how you can work together, um, to, to support a fulfilling sex life. Um, and if you weren't taking it personally, you know, how could you be on her team and support her with these resources and incorporate them in ways that you two feel excited about? Yeah, I love that. And I think my, um, my, my message would just be like gratitude to you men who are listening, because I think if you care enough to be listening to this podcast, then you, you care about this stuff and you want to be part of the solution and you are part of the solution. And I really love the idea of all of us being in this together. So it's not just like, oh, these are women's practices and this is about women's pleasure because really our pleasure is connected, you know, especially in sex. Like we're talking about 
you know, men who have sex with women and women who have sex with men, like as her pleasure increases, yours does too. So I'm just grateful that you are listening and that you are now more educated about this stuff and can be an agent of change in the world to kind of bring it, bring it to others. So I guess my message would be, don't be afraid to talk about this stuff. Don't be afraid to recommend this kind of podcast or resources like this to women because they might not have ever heard about it and it could change their lives for the better. So don't be embarrassed. Like I shouldn't know about it or like you're, you are now part of the solution. Like you're empowered to help. And like these things can really transform a woman's life. I mean, if she's, if she's having, if she's not able to have sex with her partner, cause she's really, really dry or it's been painful for years and she finds one of these solutions. I mean, that changes her whole life. It changes her, her partnership. It, you know, it can change everything. So don't be afraid to sort of spread the word. That would be my, my last sort of message. That wraps up another episode of Dear Men. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out, we would love to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Men Podcast. That's at Dear Men Podcast. Or Facebook, we have a group, Dear Men Podcast. We also have an email address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join the Big Sexy Dataset, the community of people who regularly respond to the surveys that we talk about on this podcast, just email us at that address, dearmenpodcast at gmail.com, and we will set you up. Have a sexy day.